morning, everyone. Uh, this is Bill Porter. I am joined by my friend and entrepreneur, Danny Harris. Uh, morning, Danny. Good morning, Bill. Today is a milestone. Um, we've been talking about this, geez, um, pre-pandemic. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, it's exciting to get this on the books. I think uh, we'll get better as we continue to go, but I think this is a good uh, step one. And, uh, Gotta start somewhere. Exactly, exactly. And today's topic, as you will see in the show notes, is around collegiate sports. I think it's been in the news quite a bit now around all the conference shakeups, and I think uh, we are here to really dive into why it's happening, what's going on, and really trying to figure out is this something that is sustainable long term. So um, let's do it. Um, so let, let's let's really think about it this way. I think um, you're hearing all these headlines around, okay, all these conferences, all these colleges are moving conferences, they're shaking things up. There's, you know, the bigger headlines around the Pac-12 really blowing up. <laughs> Disintegrating. Uh, I mean, right before our eyes, um, when you see, you know, schools like UCLA and USC and now Cal and Stanford going to, you know, really – powerhouse conferences across the u.s um what does that actually mean to the universities does it what wh why is it all happening now so i i think we're let's take a look so let, let's kind of go into it um you know when i look at you know let's let's take example just overall college sports and when these conferences started why they started so the conferences were really designed in the beginning to uh, get consistent schedules and really focus on getting games games on for various different universities um, and having you know conference championships and really I think the the goal was to standardize to a certain extent the the collegiate athletic experience uh, the when you look at when they started. Um, the SEC started in 1932. That's one of the longest standing powerhouses, especially in football. Uh, ACC was 1953, um, you know, more recent, relatively recent. Um, and then the WCC was another local one out here. Um, Go Gales uh, was 1952. Um, so all of these started a long time ago. And, you know, the the burning question now is, is they're relevant. So I, I, I say, you know, Danny, what are, what are your thoughts? What do you think? around the conferences um so uh, on the topic of relevancy uh i i believe my my hunch is that they do still need to be around um and i think a lot of that has to do with the simplicity around scheduling yep. and guaranteeing a program will have a certain set of opponents on their schedule and then allowing them to expand further to play other interesting programs outside of their conference. Yep. Um, and it does create a consistency for those programs. And it also gives, uh, from a recruiting perspective, it gives a sense of what that looks like for those future recruits. Yep. And I think that that's a big aspect that coaches can utilize uh, as it relates to the conferences and where a future prospect might see themselves playing. So there's a there's a positive to it yeah. uh, as the conferences have evolved, 
most recently. And then I think at the same time, there's negativity around it uh, as from a recruiting perspective. There's now the sense of families not able to see their sons and daughters play as frequently. Certainly here on the West Coast, as we think about the Pac-12, uh, I think that there were a lot of families that were excited about the opportunity to see their children play. I mean, we're, and we're old enough to know that it was the Pac-10 before this. <laughs> so it has gone through some iterations Certainly. as well. Um, but yeah, I, I hear your point. I think that makes sense. And, you know, the, the, the big headline grabbing stuff is around the, uh, the, the, the football programs. And, and that, that in and of itself is, a, is a, a beast that's worthy of tackling because when you're talking about even just simple revenue from football, that is the majority of what's brought in for collegiate athletics. Um, the side that's not always discussed is that's the most out as well. So when you're talking about uh, operating expenses, revenue in, revenue out, you're paying head coaches millions of dollars, sometimes you know up to $15 million um, to, to coach these kids. And you know that, that's a huge chunk of the athletic budget which could be going towards, you name the sport. I was a collegiate rower, there, there's lacrosse, there's all these you know, gymnastics, there's all these sports that are not in the headlines every day during you know, uh, football season, for example, um, that just kind of get brushed aside, if you will. Yeah, but I think you could also look at it as, what is that football program doing for the school in general? Uh, I know that I only learned of universities, many of them, certainly Midwest and East Coast, because of the football programs that existed and that were on TV. And so recruiting wise and just creating that additional visibility, the ROI maybe on that coach might be break even as it relates to from a marketing perspective for the university and their enrollment. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, gray as it relates sure. to the value of the coaches, what you're paying, and what the program is actually bringing to the university and and the and the area as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think let's let's up level a little bit and let's talk about just overall university programs and the sports programs. You know, when you talk about the athletic programs and in a specific university, you know, it, it's uh, not many people know this, but it's actually the athletic programs are set aside as nonprofits, um, and that is uh, really intentional and, and deliberate in the sense that they want to um, foster uh, community team building. That really, when you talk about in the NCAA charter, it's to grow and develop athlete, or, um, uh, leaders on and off the field. I think that's their quote that they go with, um, which is entertaining in, in a sense that. You know, when you're when you're looking at this and you're looking at all these conference shakeups and, you know, for example, when you're talking about, you know, Cal and Stanford going to the ACC, they're going to have to travel a long way for their for their games. And, you know, when you're talking about their their overall operating budget, it's going to be significantly higher. They will get a little bit more money being in the ACC, but you're also taking and factoring in not just the football program, but all the other programs that are going to the ACC, which aren't all, they aren't all going. Um, but there, there's a lot of back and forth around just logistics. Um, and one thing that to note on the UC Berkeley side, which is a, an, an interesting piece is 
they have the largest deficit of any public college in terms of their sports operating budget. Um, yeah, I think for those of you that are listening, the the wink, wink, nod, nod, air quotes around the university uh, mission uh, as we're sitting here discussing it. The hypocrisy is is amazing. Um, it's it's written and it's there, and people can read it. But uh, I think everybody who is recognizing the landscape of uh, collegiate sports recognizes that nobody is living that. Uh, but somehow those that are in charge sleep well at night uh, on their <laughs> money filled pillowcases as as that's coming in because they they feel strongly about what they're bringing to the institutions again based on the marketing the visibility that yeah. the football team leads and it becomes a it's a big business now it, it becomes a, a decision that is wrapped around tv contracts and budgets not around the what is best for the collegiate athlete you know when you talk about the pac-12 imploding their TV deal is expiring end of this year. And I think that's a big reason why uh, all the colleges jumped ship. They did not negotiate. And when you say they, you're talking about the, you know, the, the board of directors, you're talking about the actual um, PAC 12, uh, just overall governing body. They weren't able to get a deal done to get that uh, TV deal through. And, and once one team left, once once UCLA and once USC made that decision, then uh, you know, then it's um, the concerns by the rest of the programs uh, really uh, increase, and so then it just becomes, uh, I need a home. Yep. And where does that home, wh where will that home be? At in many cases, it didn't matter as long as they they had a home. Right. Yep. And the. When you when you look specifically at you know some of the decisions that were made and you know that we've been kind of really focusing in on the the ACC mer jump from the Stanford and Cal, um, but we could also look at just overall the you know, the, the, the overall landscape. Um, you know, there's a lot of shakeup in in all these conferences right now. I think the when you're there and but it's all it's followed the money and it's really counterintuitive to what you would hope collegiate athletes would be, or collegiate athletics are about, you know, when you're talking about the big 10, you know, they have a $7 billion deal that ends in 2036. So they're not going anywhere. Like they're, they're, they're fully entrenched in making this work. You know, SEC, which is one of the biggest powerhouses, they have a, you know, a 10 year, $3 billion deal with Disney um, that started in 2020. So they, they've got another, uh, you know, six ish years left, right? Um, that number is only going to get bigger, and it when is it, when the uh, it, it comes up to renegotiate because now there's new teams that have joined those conferences, and so you can now imagine that there's greater reach for the West Coast, the Midwest, and the East Coast for many of these conferences that they can now capitalize on the different time zones for these games and have full Saturday reach. Well, and that was interesting. We were talking to a friend who um, was is a Michigan alumni, uh, and his wife is at Stanford. And it, it, you know, the 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 time of the Stanford games was like seven p.m. at night, 
because they were trying to figure out to get on TV. And this was, again, part of the reason why the Pac-12 disintegrated is around TV time and scheduling and um, getting viewers in and money. And it's it's become a big business. It's not, in my opinion, it's not a nonprofit anymore. It's not, and I know you, you don't look at and view nonprofit as, you know, bringing money in and out. Like that's the whole thing about it is supposed to be net, net zero. Um, but when you're talking about the magnitude of, of the business and everything that goes around it, um, it, it tends to highlight the weaknesses of what the missions, the original mission statements were. Um, you know, when you talk about budgets too, and this is where it kind of gets interesting, we can start unpacking it. You know, I'll, I'll ask a question, Danny. I think we we've looked at this, but like off the top of your head, how many of these sports programs actually make any sort of profit? Probably less than less than twenty, less than ten. Yeah, it, it, it's you know not sure this year, but. Uh, according to some numbers back in 2020, 18 of the 229 public D1 schools were profitable and everyone else ran a deficit. Now, you're wondering, well, that's, you know, Bill, Danny, that doesn't make, that's fine. It doesn't make any material impact on me. Why does this matter? Um, it matters because when you look at how they're filling in the gaps for a lot of this, uh, a lot of these sports budgets, they're coming from government grants, so they're coming from your tax dollars, plus anyone in the university that is paying tuition, you will look, and it's buried, but you will look, and this is private and public, um, you're going to have a, a sports line item. Now, on average in the U.S., that number is about $1,000 a year. So, you know, that is a material number. I think a thousand dollars a year um, might not sound like a lot when you're talking about paying upwards of you know especially for private universities fifty sixty thousand dollars but public universities you know ten fifteen thousand dollars that when you're talking about you know erasing student debt and doing all this stuff to to really help the average student four thousand dollars or five thousand dollars over the course of their education is 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 impactful and it's all because you're spending so much on these these programs that don't bring in what they spend out. It's yeah, and I think I think it'll be interesting to look over the next couple of years with what did you say it was eighteen schools? Eighteen, yeah. What is that does that number shrink? That number probably shrinks to I don't know, I guess maybe twelve yeah. in the next two to three years because of the increase in the cost for travel and all the incidentals that these program these institutions are now having to do for travel for the bigger teams that are now going to the East Coast more frequently because you know they're not playing UCLA and Washington simply and, and the Oregon schools on the Midwest or Arizona. Yep. So the costs there for all the other stuff like that's collateral damage that I don't think well many of us have thought of to see you know how will this shake out in the next few years. And what does this actually mean for the institutions and the athletic departments? My gut tells me that we're going to start seeing uh, contraction of of teams within these organizations, within these institutions, because of the costs. Yeah. So what does that actually mean to the five hundred thousand plus or minus uh, college athletes 
in the country that that's about what that number is yeah. like what does that number drop to in the next few years well I, I'll, I'll tell you a personal story when i was at saint mary's uh, my freshman year we had a football team and the debate was do you keep it do you not it was bringing in boosters and you know we'd have not thousands we'd have hundreds of people it was kind of like a big high school football game if you will um but the the argument was you're getting donors coming in and donating to the general scholarships not necessarily directly to sports but you were keeping them happy so you were keeping these large donors happy because they had nostalgia from early on when you know i think we actually did go to an orange bowl and, and things along those lines but the the decision was made to end the football program when i was there and what ended up happening was it was a ripple effect there was athletics that were uh, essentially cut out of budgets uh, you know rowing team i was on the the, the rowing team um, the women's team kept their their collegiate athletic prowess, whereas the men's team ended up dropping to a, a club sport. Now, all that really did was it said, okay, you're not able to pull from the budget from the, from the athletic department to travel, to go and hire a head coach. You know, a lot of those funds were, were shifted. Um, and, you know, to the larger, on the positive side, it went to the basketball program, um, and and now, you know, it's pretty predominantly known that St. Mary's has a, a pretty good pipeline into the Australian uh, mm -hmm. national team or youth national team, and that they're, you know, on the map in terms of consistently going to the NCAA tournament. Um, but it's it hasn't been a direct linear equation of okay, football left, so all the other sports are benefiting. It just became a we're going to shift our number one sport to another one, and then all the other sports are still having to sort it out. Um, but a roster of 55 versus a roster of 12 basketball or football versus basketball. Right. Dramatically different budgets. Yes. So you're not, you're not robbing from Peter to pay Paul. You're robbing from P Peter to pay for the entire city. Of Paul's. Right, right, exactly. Um, and just for the record, St. Mary's was never in an Orange Bowl. Cotton, sugar, and Sugar Bowl. bowl. Sugar Bowl. Yes. Thank you, thank you. Okay. In uh, 1945. Yes, I'm not saying it was recent. <laughs> I just, I when I was uh, in the weight room, there was a there was a sign up, and it, you know they had the, it was the old timey poster. Um, okay. Yeah. Just let the record show. Yep. All right, I retract my statement. Um, but it still stands. I think it, what's interesting is, is it the nostalgia of keeping a program around that is really driving some of these P&Ls down? And, you know, looking at, then the, the question is, well, how do we, how do we navigate this? Because when you're talking about, you know, let's, let's pick on the, um, keep continuing to pick on the ACC because that seems to be a trend. Um, you're bringing in two additional schools your pie of revenue from the TV deal does not get any bigger. You're bringing in uh, additional schools, so you're essentially shrinking that overall number, which is the primary revenue in, in addition to you know, talking about 
donations and um, ticket sales, but ticket sales, you can only get so much off ticket sales. Um, donations, Especially again. if Cal's coming to town, you're not really selling a whole lot of tickets because of the program being exactly so bad. And, and you could talk about the graduation rates and why they're doing that and, and specifically Stanford, which will be interesting because with the Pac-12, it was, a lot of it was around graduation rate, was around the athletic, the student athlete emphasis on student. Now you're going up against, you know, some of these East Coast schools that their graduation rates aren't as high and they're, they're turning out professional athletes way higher, but it's a different mindset, a different mentality than um, some of these programs and what they've really stood for so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that how that evolves uh, but I think the the point I'm trying to, to get through is um, when you're looking at the dollars in you're looking at the ACC you're looking at the the pie not getting any bigger so you're getting a smaller piece of that pie even the existing schools I could see why you know the big 12 turned down Stanford and Cal because you know they're they're effectively taking a, a pay cut on a budget that's already in the red for two again for two football programs that don't bring any true value to strength of schedules to right. recruiting to since they've already got the UC the LA schools yep. you know that's that was good enough for them in my from my perspective that was the best case scenario yep um, so giving California schools now that the East Coast in the ACC, now the ACC now has East Coast, they have Texas schools, and they have California schools. Again, there's, there's a broader range of TV ability, yep. uh, if that's a word, for Saturday afternoons, Saturday mornings, and Saturday nights, and, and overall reach of that sport. Yep. collateral damage being what does that mean for the rest of the athletic programs absolutely and uh, UC Berkeley's athletic director went on record the, this past week saying that in under his watch he does not uh, want to cut any sports but I don't see that as being a realistic thing because you just at some point you can't pull from government grants and from students pockets and from all these other sources to make a gap of millions of dollars there's you, you've got to be realistic and say we need to write the ship on our in our on our own merit mm -hmm. stanford can say that they don't see cutting any programs because of whatever the endowment is that stanford is working with and uh, they probably could go to the well from an alumni perspective and get additional donations to yeah. fill in that gap. Cal doesn't have that luxury. No, and you know the the other interesting part in this equation is not all programs from Stanford are going to the ACC. A lot, some of them are in the uh, West Coast Conference. Some of them are going to be in the. Um, is this the sky west anyways my point in this is um a lot of these programs aren't going to have to do the travel aren't going to have to do all that stuff um when you're looking at um especially the olympic 
level sports and you're talking about the gymnastics you're talking about uh, all the ones that are going to be bringing in um you know those those olympic athletes that you see trying out and qualifying um for the um uh, for those types of sports and and you know another interesting piece is when you talk about the student athletes and you're looking at you know where where they land in all of this i think my my take is being a, a, a student athlete who did not get any ncaa funding or you know funding from the, the athletic program directly you know it, it definitely goes it's kind of counterintuitive to the mission of fostering leaders and, and people that will be the next leaders in business and things along those lines i we we traveled but not very much it's like we uh, for our rowing program we would go down to la a couple times we'd go to sacramento other programs would go across the u.s and had budget to ship their their boats and things along those lines we we got a pickup truck and we hauled them and uh you know it uh it was entertaining um but you know I think uh, when you're looking at that, it's it's disheartening as someone who's who's lived it. Yeah, and I think um, you know we talk about the impact of the schools that are joining and the athletes that are joining new conferences, and we've we've now mentioned Cal and Stanford a number of times in this conversation. But what I don't think we're is is really taken into consideration as much is the impact on the school the athletes for those schools that were already at the ACC and I think there's been a number of athletes who have come out and said we were never brought into the conversation the athletic department the athletic director from you know insert school that's in the ACC they never came to us and says what and asked what would this mean for you as an athlete that will require additional travel for you. Yeah. We've we've really just thought about what is the Stanford athlete impact, but we're not seeing it from the other side either. That yeah. it really goes both ways, and that the the added travel, the added stress, the added impact to the student athlete is isn't as considered. Um, as broadly as, as we're thinking about it. Absolutely, across the board. And I think that goes for beyond football. It goes for, you know, when you're talking about basketball and uh, even some of the other um, bigger, more televised sports. Um, you know, when you're looking at the football, again, uh, in the FBS programs, uh, you know, in 1998, there were 112 programs um, under the FBS category. Uh, 2023, 131. Um, the conferences haven't grown that much. There were 10 conferences back in 98. Uh, right now we're sitting on 11 conferences. It'll probably go back to 10 because the Pac-12 is going to be no longer. It's now the Tupac. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, it'll, it, you know, I, I, I see that number of 131 going down. And I see that as something that when you're talking about the reach and the ability for students to play at a high level and and really kind of fulfill dreams because majority of them do not go on to professional athletics 
that's going to be harder to get to. And that's going to be an interesting one where you know, you're really looking at a consolidation for many reasons, not just conferences, but just overall school programs. You're going to have to, you're going to have to make some hard decisions as an athletic director of a school that's in the Midwest that is you know, barely hanging on with the program. And do you cut? What do you cut? Do you cut a whole bunch of smaller sports? Do you cut a larger basketball, football program? How do you make it work? Yeah, I would I would actually challenge you on the 131 going smaller. I think it's actually going to grow. All right. And I think the impact is going to be on all the other programs. Okay. Because the cachet of a football program is so great from an alumni and from a from a fundraising perspective that uh, again the the damage is going to result in the removal of the Olympic sports and they're gonna the schools are gonna justify it uh, and 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 their justification likely will be that the the program is not going away it's just going to be uh, pivoting to a club sport yeah it'll be underfunded and that's. And, and the funding will come from another source and it'll be, it won't be an NCAA sport, but the athletes will still be able to compete because yeah. it will be a club sport. But I actually believe that that 131 okay. is going to grow to 141 in the next five years because there is so much money to be made. Well, we'll keep an eye on it because I think that's going to be a, a telling, that's going to be an indicator on the health overall of collegiate athletics is what does that, that number mean? And I think if you have more athletics programs that are participating in the bigger well-known sports and bringing in the tv dollars you know we we haven't even talked a little bit about uh, the ncaa basketball which brings in 1.1 billion dollars for the tournament right i think that's another one where you 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 know you know sports from their basketball programs or sorry sports uh universities from the athletic uh, basketball programs um, so you're, you're talking about another one where the money in is high in addition to the money out and big name coaches, big dollars, all of those things. Um, and it's, you know, the, the question that is out there too is should they be profitable? Does it make sense that a collegiate athletic program is self-sufficient? I don't know. I, I, I would argue yes, because you're talking about taking money from other areas that desperately need it. And when we're talking about students on average spending about $1,000 out of their own pocket, even though they don't touch those programs and coming from you know government grants and government funding, it was fine when you're talking about revenues and shortfalls of less than a million dollars. But when you're talking about upwards of three, four, five million dollar gaps, you know, that, that becomes a material number. But when you say that they don't touch those programs, yes, the by percentage, the attend the, the, the school ha- has a low percentage of the overall uh, of the overall um, student body athletics t- is, a, is a small percentage. But what's the value of the on of the entertainment side? What's the value sure. of the community side? And I think there's a lot of gray, gray areas that that you can point to to say, 
the value of the water polo program is that it brings more people together. Yep. You, you could argue that across the board, but I think it's a difficult calculation to come up with to, de- to then determine, is it worth having? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, there are more students leveraging and going, you know, whether it's entertainment or intercollegiate athletics, or you're right, notoriety of saying, hey, I, I'm part of, you know, we, we have friends that are Michigan fans through and through, and they will just be that that's that's part whatever of whatever their sport is. Yeah, they're there. They're gonna watch it, um, and that that brings in additional revenue to the school, and, and that's where the TV deals and things come in. Um, you know, when you're when you're talking about the student on a you know a scholarship, maybe you know takes out student loans that. Sure, could use it for entertainment, but also is going to be having to pay those back over fifteen years. You know, interest on five thousand dollars, four thousand dollars adds up quick. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I could I could see it from both sides. Um, you know, the other interesting piece that I think we will tease on this one and start going to in a different session is the introduction of athletes, collegiate athletes, getting paid. And what does that mean to the overall, first off, the overall philosophy of the NCAA and the amateur athlete? Besides that, what does that mean towards your foundational budgets and operating? Like, do you have, you have, you'll have students now, student athletes that will be selling their name rights and making, making money off that. That does not touch the budget on the university um but it it kind of does it ties in because if you're talking about recruiting and you know the rich getting richer you're, you're going to go to a powerhouse sec school to get that notoriety and get that contract from insert sports shoe manufacturer to bring in that budget yeah and, and i think we'll see and we'll certainly dig deeper into it but we'll see sort of how how that capability is being utilized by the individual athlete but also by the institutions from a recruiting perspective and the, and the promises and the expectations that are that are there and how is it actually being carried out right because then is that something where you're looking at and saying okay athlete quarterback from SEC powerhouse school yes go sell your name rights away make some money off of it um but we're also going to take a piece of that uh, that pie right and that goes to almost like a tax exactly tax to utilize you know in in many cases the the athlete can't use the name of the school but you know there can be some evolution of what these rules are and if the name is used then then there's some level of tax that then goes into a general pool that could be utilized for the budget or payouts to the rest of the, the athletic body, student body. There's a lot of ways that I think uh, it's going to be evolving yeah, absolutely. to benefit all instead of the, the 1%. Absolutely. And, I, and, I, and I, I ex- I'm excited for that because I think when you look at where that can evolve to and how that can get to, there's a lot of possibilities that I think will benefit the student athlete. 
in in ways that are not just big name school gets one major contract. You're talking local local sponsorships, local deals. Um, talking about um, you know owning a small business uh, and having an athlete that is not a football player endorse or talk about something. Um, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of goodness that could come from that. There's also the the yin and yang effect. There's also the opposite of you know you're going to get these kids that are going to go to a, a, a program and be one and done and make their money and walk away and then you know it just it just churns it just becomes this it's it's no longer about the mission statement of a, a collegiate athlete getting their getting their getting you know graduating going on to being that you know CEO of a Fortune 500 company or entrepreneur it just becomes a a business and at what point does that say it's 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 no longer what what it actually what actually started with the the philosophy and the backbone of, of collegiate athletes? Yeah, and that's that I think is the 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 ongoing challenge of student athletes. But I think it's still a small percentage of the overall student athlete because it really still in that scenario it really only pertains to. Two, two major sports. It's the football and it's yep. basketball. Everybody else, like really, really, unless you are, you know, uh, a golfer yeah. who might leave early, but like what are those professional sports that allow you to leave early? It's football, it's basketball, with the exception of a couple sports that yep. you're really thinking about the one and done, the, 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 the lack of sure. um, graduation or, or the impact of the graduation rate. And heck, baseball—they're dra- they're drafting out of high school, so <laughs> you're not even—you're not even talking about that. Uh, that. That's true. That would be the other sport that that is ultimately impacted by right. leaving early. Uh, exactly, but but a lot of those kind of high 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 leverage uh, players that that get those millions of dollars of signing bonus—they're out of there in senior year of high school. They're yeah. not even touching college most of the time. Um, but would they if they had more financial? Uh, guarantees yeah and so that's certainly you know uh, that that's the other layer to the onion of what this all means for the the student athlete absolutely so we keep saying student athlete (laughs) because again that's the mission but I think we're loosely stating them as student athletes because that's the reality of what we're oh I I find it comical because when again when you're talking about the topical thing with 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 Berkeley and, and Stanford you know the Berkeley athlete, student athlete, uh, is going to have to do their homework on the flights out to the East Coast for in-conference games. And what does that mean for overall education? What does that mean to missing classes? We were talking off the air earlier. Um, You know, you're going to have to leave a day earlier. You're going to have to set travel a lot different. Um, And what's interesting, too, is, and this is for, for every school, not just for the two that we're mentioning, you know, a lot of what's going to happen is it's going to start shifting to the chartered flights and the private tra- transportation, which goes to the argument that we're trying to make earlier, which is that's just going to cost a lot more money. And how do you justify that? Do you go and renegotiate TV deals? Do you get another sponsor somehow when you're talking about name rights? How does this all work? And I think we're we're at the infancy stages of where this is coming to, 
um, and you're starting to see a lot of those movements, but there will be a lot more movement, I think, over the next, call it five, 10 years, um, that that's uncharted territory. And we won't know until we know, but it's, it's going to be a wild ride, I, I think, um, how this all is going to pan out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the, the, it's, it's very fluid uh, on so many of the different topics that are layers that you can dig, dig into. Um, but it's just going to, what we say, what will likely happen today or what's actually happening today, I would say in two to three years, it will be dramatically different. I mean, I'm just still salty because I didn't get any, any budget for my sport. Uh, but, you know, it's okay. I learned how to drive a trailer with, a, you know, 13-foot boats. It made you stronger uh, exactly. as a person, and it made you love the sport that you played even more. I slept on floors of parents' houses instead of actually getting, you know, the, a, a decent hotel room, um, and then competed against Olympic athletes and, you know, all these different people that, you know, did have the luxury of sleeping in a bed that morning, that night. So, anyways again salty gropey but uh, uh we're gonna take this moment just to to wrap it up but i want to say thank you to danny first of all um this again when we talk about uh the origins of this and where where we wanted to do this um it's been a long time coming and i think uh you know i'm i'm excited for what's to come i think we're gonna get better as we evolve um but this is kind of that that pilot program for us so uh, thank you so much. Yeah, this is a blast. Um, you know, sports is, sports are a, are a passion. I think for for you and I, and so the biz, you know, understanding more on the business side of things is an area that I'm trying to grow into as well. And I think this is this is a good medium for for us to just learn, but also share what we've yeah. what we've understood it to be. Speaking of business, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, uh, you can reach out to either Danny or myself. Um, you could reach out to me at Bill, B-I-L-L, at turn2lab, T-U-R-N, number 2, L-A-B.com. I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Um, but I look forward to hearing feedback of all varieties. Um, I think it will only make us better. Uh, we're, we're really excited to get together a long list of very, very interesting topics beyond sports. Um, and, yeah, I, I look forward to, to the journey. So thank you, Danny. Um, and we'll, we'll call it a day. So look forward to uh talking talking next time that sounds good